many, many years ago when I was brand new in the priesthood, I was uh, in my first parish and was at the door of the church, you know, shaking hands as people were leaving, and uh, a mother was carrying a little boy, a toddler. He was, uh, I'm not sure how old he was, maybe three, to be older. And uh, when I was looking at him, he said, Mommy, this is the man whose voice makes me sleepy. <laughs> I've heard that all my life. I have been given a voice that's better suited to being an FM radio disc jockey late at night, playing all the cool jazz until 6 a.m. and helping people to fall asleep. But I have done some radio work in my life in addition to being a newspaper reporter and editor in the 70s. Uh, in the 80s, when I was uh, at my first parish in Austin, uh, I got involved with a brand new FM uh, Christian radio station that uh, at that time was called Candle 88, K-N-L-E. I'm sure it's not there anymore because they change around quite a bit. But uh, I got involved and was able to do what we call one-minute meditations, and I did a whole bunch of them, and they would scatter them throughout their listening day, and I never really knew, you know, when they were going to air, but I had a great, I had great joy doing that. And so I got to, knew, to know a lot of the, uh, the, uh, the radio people, and as it turns out, in 1991, uh, that radio station sponsored a, a new Christian artist who was on tour promoting his uh, first album, I think. Uh, and he was, he was new and upcoming, and uh, they asked me if I would like to take part in, in the, the concert he was doing. Now, he was not very well known then, even though he had a hit that was number one. Um, so he was still doing his concerts in rather large churches. And this concert was done at, I don't remember the name of the church at the time, but it was, it was large and it was filled because the people who listened to Christian FM radio knew about him. Now, the next time I saw him after I got to meet him and work with him in 91, he was doing a concert here in Houston about 20, 2008, 2009, uh, and he filled the Astrodome itself. His name is Stephen Curtis Chapman. And his first song that was his first, he's won four Grammy Awards. I don't know if he's up for any Grammy Awards tonight. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. He keeps writing really great music and it was started with his first hit based on the apostolic summons of Jesus to his apostles, especially the fishermen, Peter and Andrew, James and John, who are in our gospel reading today as Jesus' ministry is in the early months in Capernaum. And Stephen Curtis Chapman's song is called For the Sake of the Call, meaning the apostolic call. And I've been thinking about it all week long as I've been reading through this gospel from Mark chapter 1. And the words of the first verse have hit me in a big way this week. And I got thinking about the call of Jesus. Incidentally, all of you answered his call today too. 
He didn't, didn't just call his apostles, he calls us, all of us. And we have the privilege of either responding or ignoring it. Well, you responded, you're here. The first verse says, nobody stood and applauded them. So they knew from the start their road would not lead to fame. All they really knew for sure is that Jesus had called to them. He said, come follow me. And they came with restless abandon. They came. And the refrain for that song is, I don't remember all of it. Uh, we have abandoned it all for the sake of the call. No other reason at all, but for the sake of the call. The apostles knew that they were being called into a life and a lifestyle that they knew nothing about. They entered it by simply leaving the old ways behind and following the Lord. And we get the impression from those early years and early months, especially as we read in Mark chapter 1, that there was a lot of action going on around Jesus. You can't read through Mark's gospel without feeling the energy and the action that's taking place all around Jesus. Everywhere he went, crowds of people ran to him, came to him, all sorts of people, rich, poor, old, young, sick, well, all sorts of diseases, all sorts of emotional problems, all sorts of demonic problems. When we read in our gospel today, Jesus had just gotten out of the synagogue. And the impression we get from the Greek way, it's worded a little differently in English, is that Jesus left the synagogue with James and John and went to the house of Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, where their mother-in-law was sick with a fever. So Jesus goes into their house, goes to Simon Peter's mother-in-law, takes, and incidentally, people ask, well, have any of the popes been married? How do you get a mother-in-law? I used to ask myself, how, how does someone get a mother? Can you go on eBay and buy a mother-in-law? You get a mother-in-law by being married. So it was Peter's mother-in-law who was sick. And Jesus went to her, took her by the hand, and lifted her up. And she stood up. The fever left her. And then she began to wait on them, which is a whole sermon in itself, just on that. So Jesus stayed at their house, and when it was getting dark, shortly after the sunset, the whole town came to that house, crowded around the house, filled the house. They brought sick people. They brought people possessed by various demons, all sorts of emotional problems, mental problems, mental, all kinds of problems. They came to Jesus. We get the impression they hurried and circled him in the house and around the house, hoping for a healing touch, a word of compassion, a word of hope, relief from the disastrous feelings they had through demonic possession. And we're told that Jesus healed them all. And then 
the next morning, long before sunrise, now you do the math on that, 3.30 a.m., 4 a.m., Jesus got up and went out by himself to a deserted place where he could pray all alone. And immediately, those who were with him, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, came running after him, shouting at him, Lord, everybody is looking for you at 4 a.m. But Jesus says, and this is important to hear this, I've got to go on to other towns. I need to preach and heal in other places. That's the reason I came. And so when he went to the other towns and villages in Galilee, we're told he preached, he healed the sick, he cast out the demons, and everywhere he went, people came rushing to him. They surrounded him when he was in houses. They surrounded him when he was on the hillside. They surrounded him when he was on the seashore. They surrounded him when he was out in the field. They surrounded him when he was in the marketplaces bringing the sick, the confused, the lost, the hopeless, people in great pain and anguish who needed something that only Jesus could give them. Hope, healing, deliverance. They all came from him. And so when we read through the first couple of chapters of Mark, we get the impression, which is an incorrect impression, that everyone came running to him. They all came flocking to him. But that's not exactly what happened. Jesus always takes the initiative with his people and with us. He's the one who does the calling. These people that came to him had already heard something within themselves. We know that was the voice of God saying, go to him. Jesus always takes the lead. And so he has my entire life. When I had the opportunity to help Stephen Curtis Chapman with his concert in Austin, they had heard, not only they heard my voice, it put so many people to sleep, but they wanted me to do the intermission for his concert. And so I got my guitar out and taped a, quite a lengthy, about a 10-minute segment of the Passion Chorale of Sacred Head Sore Wounded and just had it on my guitar playing. I dressed up as a Christian clown, a hobo clown. I've done a lot of that. And I came out with a broom, sweeping up with a dust thing, dusting off the drums, and I was serving them and incidentally, Stephen Curtis Chapman stayed from the wings and watched it. And at the end, I blessed them, holding the broom in one hand, making the sign of the cross over all of them, all who were there. Jesus is the one who calls me to do those things. He's the one who calls you to be here at Mass. This is where he interacts with us. This is where we receive, it's not the only place, but this is where we always receive His very best, His grace, His mercy, His blessings. And He wants us to have those in abundance. Jesus said, I want you to have my joy and live abundantly, my joy in you, so that, so that your joy may be full and my joy may be complete. We share in His best, but we have to share it. 
And then he, like with the apostles, sends us out. You know, if you've been reading in the daily mass readings last week, you, come to, you came to that passage where Jesus sends the apostles out two by two on short missionary journeys, tells them to travel lightly, to go and to preach the gospel, to cure the sick and to cast out the demons. And they did. I can almost guarantee you that when Jesus walked by the sea and when Peter and Andrew and James and John were mending their nets and said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men, they had no idea probably that in just a short time they would be casting out demons. But that's the power Jesus gave to them as his apostles. Power, energy, blessings that are meant to be shared. And so they did. And so must we. We can't keep all of this wonderful spiritual knowledge and illumination and power and enlightenment and joy with us. We have, when we go out the doors, we are guaranteed to encounter people who are sick, people who are not feeling right, people who are confused, people who are borderline demonically possessed, people who have great pain from life circumstances. You know, this past week I, I got to see, and I get to see one more again this week, I, got, I get to see my last two doctors you know, from the surgery I had on my foot in October. They have basically released me saying, you're well, go on about your normal life. So I'm under no restrictions anymore about wearing a boot or any of that. But they did give me pretty powerful orders. They said, just don't do anything stupid. Whew, that's a hard one. <laughs> that's a hard one. And so I'll do my best. It's, it's hard. But I told my doctor, said, you know, you and I have a whole lot in common. You have a whole lot in common with the doctors too and with me. We all do. We often do not see people, family, friends, neighbors, when they're at their best. We see people when they're hurting. And when we do that, we have within us the one who heals. We have within us the one who can bring hope. We have within us the one who can guide us into how we can help. Now, it's impossible for us to do everything, and that's what the Diocesan Services Fund is. That's how we, as a parish, take part with all the other parishes in the Archdiocese to do 64 ministries, mainly to the poor, to those who are hurting, those who are sick, those who are transient, seminarians, in school, so that we can serve by sharing the joy much beyond our boundaries here. And you'll hear more about that in just, just a couple of minutes. But we've been given a great gift. Jesus has called to you today. You heard it. You're here. You heard it on your retreat. He keeps calling to us. It's not just a one-time call. He continues to call for us because Jesus takes us by the hand and sometimes we let go of his hand. Now that doesn't mean he lets go of us. 
He stands with us. Sometimes we turn in the other direction and turn away from him. He never turns away from us. Sometimes we forget about him, but he never forgets about us. He loves us with his whole heart. And so he keeps calling to us, come follow me. I'll show you the way. Come follow me. It's amazing how many people come to me want to tell them what the way is. Father, how do I get all this sorted out? Follow Jesus. What do you mean? I mean follow Jesus. Quit making up your mind ahead of time what you want, then doing it and then blaming Jesus for it. Talk to him. Pray to him. Read his word. And follow him. You want to know what he calls you to do? Look what the apostles did. Look what the great saints have done. They lived in perilous times just like we do today. We have within us the one who's greater than the perilous times. People live in great hardship today, but we have the one within us who's greater than all the hardships, who can bring order into disorder, can bring hope into hopelessness. And he gives that to us today. So when we go out, let's share. And if you have nothing else to say to anyone, the one thing you can say for sure is that Jesus loves me. My brothers and sisters, that's his word to you. I love you. You're mine. You're precious to me. I will never leave you, never forsake you. He loves you. And he loves your families. He loves your neighborhoods. He loves the cities. He loves people, even those who turn away from him and do horrible things. And it's to them that we can smile and we can pray, pray, pray for them. Remember, he loves you with his whole heart. And that's what this little video we're going to see is all about. So we will now dim the lights and watch our video from Cardinal Leonardo. It's easy to feel isolated today, to feel that we are all on our own. Even in how we experience our faith lives, it can be difficult to distinguish between individual prayer and isolation. It can be challenging to appreciate just how interconnected our faith community is. When we enter into our sacred spaces, we have to make an effort to separate ourselves from the ways of the world, anxiety, stress, a need for distraction, and a feeling that everything depends solely on us. Our Catholic faith encourages us to remember that we are not our own, that the weight of the world does not land fully on our shoulders, that we are in communion with one another, and that our lives are meant to be lived with a love for our neighbor. Whether young or old, rich or poor, sick or healthy, filled with faith or struggling, we are called to recognize that we are the Lord's. And because we are the Lord's, we are deeply and uniquely connected to one another as the people of God. Through Jesus Christ, we are meant to live our faith in a way and a manner that transforms us. As Catholics, we are connected to others beyond those we share a pew with on Sunday morning. We are connected to our fellow Catholics in other churches, throughout our neighborhoods, 
throughout the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston, and throughout the world. Through the Diocesan Services Fund, we are able to joyfully live out the command of Jesus to love one another as a wider community. DSF allows this local church to provide 64 ministries that do what no one parish can accomplish on its own. Supporting the Diocesan Services Fund allows each of us to play a hand in educating and forming the next generation of faithful Catholics through our 55 Catholic elementary and high schools. Over 17,000 students benefit every year from a truly Catholic education that molds the whole person, mind, body, and soul. An additional 75,000 children and adults are instructed through catechetical programs in our parishes, helping to spread the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. With a gift to the Diocesan Services Fund, you are helping numerous ministries to feed the hungry, to assist abused spouses and children, to accompany veterans in gaining employment, and helping the homeless. As a Catholic community, we are also committed to remembering those who are so readily forgotten in our society. DSF-supported ministries care for the sick by providing medical and spiritual care, for the imprisoned and troubled youth, for those at sea and working in dangerous occupations, and for the elderly, expecting mothers, and those in need of Christ's healing love. The Diocesan Services Fund also helps prepare our seminarians to become good and holy priests by supporting their education at St. Mary's Seminary and elsewhere throughout the United States and abroad. The hundreds of priests and deacons who minister in the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston, receive constant encouragement and training to serve this local church through DSF-supported programs. And as our priests complete active ministry and enter into retirement, they receive the resources necessary to continue praying for and supporting the church. Our faith calls us together to love, to serve, to give, and to pray as one community in Christ. Brothers and sisters, we are the Lord's because all we do as Catholic Christians is oriented toward the love of neighbor and toward the glorification of God's holy name, we are formed into God's own people. The 64 ministries supported by DSF educate, serve, gather, and sanctify us. They allow us to work together in carrying out the mission of the church, which no individual or parish can do alone. Through the Diocesan Services Fund, we become icons of Christ in the world by demonstrating the charity of Christ through concrete actions. Join me in making a gift to DSF today.